The first time I watched the Peruvian soccer team in person was in Los Angeles in 2009 when they played a friendly game against El Salvador. I was 21. The rain poured on us as we watched our team lose. I was there with my dad and a couple of other family members, and we were some of the only Peruvians soaking in a sea of blue and white. We cheered as loud as we could. My dad and I stood in the stands until the very end hoping for a goal, but that moment never came. He stayed quiet. He probably saw it coming. Losing was nothing new. The other day I asked my dad, remember that game we lost 7-0, the one we watched in the rain? He told me I was being dramatic and to Google it. It was actually just 1-0. But the loss seemed so much bigger and much more drastic in my head. We were the kind of team that would lose 7-0. The year after that rainy game, we ended up dead last in the South American qualifiers for the 2010 World Cup. I guess that pretty much sums up my memories of the Peruvian national team, losing one game after another. Until last year, when everything finally changed. From NPR and Futuro Media, it's Latino USA. I'm Maria Hinojosa. Today, a story from our vault. We take you on one underdog's journey to the World Cup. In March, the sports world came to a screeching halt. Breaking news. The MLS joining the party when it comes to suspending play. The NBA is suspending the season. We have some breaking news. The Masters has officially been postponed at this time. That announcement. One by one, sports leagues around the globe canceled games, tournaments, and postponed their entire seasons due to the spread of COVID-19. So... What do loyal sports fans do to cope with confinement and no live sports to watch? Well, a lot of them have been looking back into the past and reliving their favorite sports moments through highlights on YouTube or by re-watching iconic games or by simply sharing a photo on social media of the last sporting events they attended. So we have a little treat for you, dear listener. We're bringing you an episode from our vault and taking you back to 2018 to a story of hope. And it takes place on soccer's biggest stage, the World Cup. In 2018, it wasn't only the usual teams who were playing, you know, teams like Mexico, Spain, Argentina, or Brazil. In fact, you could say that the 2018 Cup was the year of the underdogs, like Panama, which qualified for its first ever World Cup. Little Iceland also qualified for the first time, and Egypt qualified after 28 years. But the underdog we're going to talk about today is Peru and their return to the World Cup after 36 long years. Producer Janice Yamoka is going to tell us the story now. Before we get started, there's a few things you should know about me. One, I was born in Los Angeles. And two, I'm Peruvian-American. That's my dad, Pepe. He's tall in his 60s with barely any white hairs and a bit of a reserved guy. He grew up in Peru in a city called Callao. He said that he and my mom taught me a lot about Peruvian culture. 
My parents left Peru in the mid-80s when the country was going through an economic and social crisis. For my parents, there wasn't a lot of time to learn what American culture was. So I was immersed in Peruvian culture growing up. For example, when my sister and I were kids, my dad would play Peruvian music for us all the time in the house. Especially on the weekends when he would make ceviche. I kind of felt like I lived in a Peruvian restaurant. Aside from music, we ate lomo saltado, drank inca cola, and at one point, we had a replica of a gold tumi, a Peruvian ceremonial knife nailed to a wall. Oh, and I can't forget the collection of Yama dolls we have scattered around the house. And of course, when they could, my parents took us on an eight-hour plane ride to go play with all of our cousins that lived more than 4,000 miles away in Peru. All this to say, like my dad said, it's all a part of why my sister and I feel so Peruvian. Being Peruvian was rare in Los Angeles, where almost every brown person is assumed to be Mexican. But a little Peru existed within the walls of my family's home. Oh, and one last thing. My dad also passed on his love for soccer, specifically Peruvian soccer. Every Saturday morning, I would wake up to the sounds of... Love and loyalty for the Peruvian national soccer team was practically a religion I was born into. And though it pains me to say, for my entire life, Peru has sucked at soccer. See, soccer is a lifestyle in Latin America, and Latin Americans pride themselves on playing it well. Countries like Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, they're not famous just for playing soccer, but playing it with their own signature style. And every four years, they go to the World Cup to show the world what they can do. Peru had never even qualified for a World Cup in my lifetime. But for my dad, it was different. He was there during a golden age of Peruvian soccer in the 1970s, when Peru made it back to the World Cup for the first time since 1930. My dad was 16 when it happened. He remembers people of all ages came together on the streets to cheer and run. There were parties everywhere. Fiestas por aquí, por allá, en todo lugar. Pero fue emocionante también. My dad says it was exciting. And I know you can't tell from his voice, but it was exciting. And he says he remembers it like yesterday, because soccer is his life. Recuerdo todas esas cosas como si fuera ayer, porque esa ha sido mi vida. El fútbol es mi vida también. The country went on to qualify for three World Cups in those years. And they even had special songs to motivate the team on the way to each cup. There's Peru Campeón, Peru the Champion, for the 1970 World Cup. Peru Campeón, Peru Campeón. Contigo Peru, with you Peru, for the 1978 World Cup. And Peru a España 82, Peru to Spain 82, which, you guessed it, was composed for the 1982 World Cup in Spain. And that's where it ended. In the years that followed, the country suffered economically, 
and violence within the country began to rise. Because of armed insurgent groups like the Shining Path. This is around the time my parents left Peru and headed to the U.S. in search of a better life. My dad says the hardest part about leaving Peru was leaving his mom, my grandmother, behind. Then, in 1987, in the midst of the chaos, a plane carrying one of Peru's beloved club teams crashed into the Pacific Ocean, killing an entire team of promising young players. It was as if the dreams of the nation crashed into the Pacific as well. The country was heartbroken. It continued to suffer economically, and political chaos continued. For the people... It felt like in every single aspect, Peru's just not good enough. In the U.S., my parents settled in San Gabriel Valley, east of Los Angeles, living in apartments stuffed with family and friends who also made the trek from Peru. There, they began to form their own little community, and they kept their culture alive through music, food, and, of course, cheering for the Peruvian national team. But... The 70s soccer golden age marked the last time my whole family was together in Peru. And every time they share their stories, I'm instantly transported to that frozen era in time, before families were apart, before loved ones started dying. And for me, I love hearing those stories, to imagine a happier time for both the Peruvian team and my family. But it's bittersweet, because I never actually experienced any of it. But then, for the first time in my lifetime, Peru had a real chance. Qualifiers were underway to determine which teams would make it to the 2018 World Cup in Russia. It's important to remember that at the beginning of these qualifiers, Peru was not doing well. That's Luis Miguel Echegaray. He's the director of Latino content at Sports Illustrated, and he's proving too. We actually only won two matches out of the first 10. But then... Peru beat soccer powerhouse Uruguay in the fifth-to-last qualifying game. I do believe that that Uruguay at home win was when Peruvians started saying, hold up a second, maybe we can do this. I watched the game alone through a live stream on my laptop in my apartment in New York City, on the other side of the country from my family in L.A. It was around this time I jokingly but semi-seriously called my dad and told him... If Peru goes to the World Cup, we're going. And he said yes, just to shut me up, I think. If you're not familiar with how teams qualify for the World Cup, consider this your quick lesson. There are only 32 spots in the World Cup. To get a spot, countries within each region compete against each other. So European teams play against European teams and Asian teams play against Asian teams, etc. And the South American qualifiers are arguably the most competitive. To make it to the World Cup, Peru would have to survive among soccer giants like Brazil and Argentina. This team had no well-known international stars, no Messi's, no Neymar's. But we did have Paolo Guerrero. A player with bad boy vibes, tattooed with slick back hair, and Peru's all-time leading scorer. 
And so, with a few games left, our World Cup dream almost seemed possible. And soon, the team found themselves facing two-time World Cup champions, Argentina. Le va a dar Messi. Messi busca centro, sale el arquero. Arriba, controló el arquero peruano. And they tied. Meanwhile, in the Latino USA office, the only thing I know about soccer is something about Peru is a big deal. Basically because of you. I'd say like maybe, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like once a week you wear your jersey. That's producers Maggie Freeling and Antonia Cerejido. They, and everyone else in the office, witnessed me being completely obsessed with Peru in the World Cup qualifiers. Like I would bring the Peru flag to the office and hang it up on a wall on game days. Totally normal. By October, Peru was on a roll. They hadn't lost a game in five matches, but they had one game left against Colombia. Which, thanks to a beautiful free kick from our captain Paolo, ended up in a tie. After all that fun math and all the points were added, we were in fifth place. So close. See, the way it works is that the first four South American teams go straight to the World Cup. And the fifth place team only goes to the World Cup if they play a two-game playoff series against the top team in Oceania. In this case, New Zealand. But a week before the first game against New Zealand, news breaks out. Paolo Guerrero was suspended 30 days. Paolo Guerrero, the bad boy player I described earlier, and Peru's team captain, he was suspended by FIFA for 30 days for failing a doping test. Chemicals associated with cocaine were found in his system. So before the Argentina game, Paolo Guerrero drank a mate de coca. I know, I know, it sounds shady, but Paolo claimed he accidentally drank mate de coca, or coca tea which is a traditional tea from Andean nations like Peru and Bolivia. It's used to help with high altitudes. And since cocaine is derived from coca leaves, the tea has chemicals in it that can trigger doping tests. Either way, Paolo Guerrero was going to miss the playoffs. He helped the team get there, and it was up to the rest of the team to get to the World Cup. The first game, nobody scored, which put all the pressure on the second game. This was the game that would decide it all. I even felt the pressure. So I did something a little extreme. On a whim, I flew across the country back home to my own little Peru to watch the game with my family in LA. If we won, we were going to the World Cup. My family packed the living room, all in red and white. My dad was on air horn duty. The game was tied 0-0. Then... In the 28th minute, when Christian Cueva held the ball, passed it to Farfan, the country just went insane. In Peru, the celebration of people jumping and screaming after Farfan's goal was so intense, it activated an earthquake alarm detector in Chile. That's when we started thinking, this is it, we're, we're making it. In LA, my family and I were glued to the screen. The clock was ticking, and Peru scored again. We won 2-0. We were the last country in the world to qualify. 
we were in. Peru was going to the 2018 World Cup in Russia. I love this team, not because I grew up in Peru, but because I grew up immersed in my family's love for their country, and especially their love for the family they had to leave behind in Peru. So when I hear this tape of my cousin crying, it's almost impossible for me to not start crying myself. And it's because I know, in that moment, she was probably thinking about her father, who passed away, and how ecstatic he would have been in that moment to see Peru make it. How she wished she could have had that moment with him. Everyone in my house gave each other big hugs that day, and I hugged my dad extra tight. Coming up on Latino USA, the Yamokas go to Russia. Stay with us. No te vayas. This message comes from NPR sponsor BetterHelp. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who specialize in issues such as isolation, depression, stress, anxiety, and more. Connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment when you need professional help. Get help at your own time and your own pace. Schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist. Visit BetterHelp.com Latino to learn more and get 10% off your first month. Hey, it's Guy Raz from NPR's How I Built This. And each week on the show during this unprecedented crisis, I'll be asking some of the top founders and builders how they're dealing with the economic impact of the coronavirus and hear about some of the ways they're pivoting to fight it. Subscribe or listen now to How I Built This. We're back. And when we left off, Peru had just qualified for the World Cup for the first time in 36 years. Producer Janice Yamoka picks up the story now. The day after Peru qualified, I was still a ball of emotions. I took out my recorder and talked to my dad at home in our kitchen. He says that now, the world will know that Peru has what it takes to face any team. (laughs) It was time to remind my dad about the deal we made, that if Peru made it, the two of us were going to the World Cup. (laughs) So we're going to Russia, I asked, and he said, sure, if we can. So I bought our plane tickets a week later. He was going on the ultimate father-daughter soccer adventure, and there was no turning back. A few weeks before the World Cup, I went into our recording booth at the Latino USA office. 
this is a, a dream that's coming true and it's so we it's weird it, i'm still kind of uh, in shock that i'm gonna go in a few weeks and maybe that's why it hasn't hit me and this envelope i have another envelope and i haven't opened it yet but i believe that they're my tickets let's see okay they're for sure my tickets <laughs> I learned the team chants and even memorized the Peruvian national anthem. I mean, if I'm going, I'm going all the way. My dad and I even learned some Russian. Нет, да. Спасибо. Thank you. Спасибо, That's all I know. That's all we're getting. <laughs> Then, a month before the World Cup started, FIFA ruled that Paolo Guerrero, our captain and star player, wasn't going to play in the World Cup because of the doping test. Without him, we didn't have much of a chance to do well in the tournament. We were devastated. There were protests in Peru. And literally, two weeks before the tournament started, he was finally and officially cleared to play. Okay, now that we have our star player and my dad and I are fluent in Russian, World Cup, here we come. The plane ride to Moscow was everything you would imagine a World Cup flight to be. Everyone was already wearing their team's jerseys, except my dad and I, who seemed like World Cup rookies in our regular clothes. The fans were basically split into two groups. Peru, and Mexico. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Moscow. Our aircraft has landed at... It was the day before the World Cup started, and fans spilled all over the city. At this point, people were just thrilled to be there. Everyone seemed hopeful, and it was contagious. At the end of a long main street, my dad and I finally found the Peru fans. On the streets, Peru fans dressed up as Inca royalty wore traditional clothing from the areas they came from. And Peruvian Facebook showed there was a llama around Moscow that went viral. Well, it was a man wearing a llama costume only to be eclipsed by another man dressed as a giant qui, a.k.a. a guinea pig, a proven delicacy. Hola. We had a few days in Moscow before we had to travel for the first game against Denmark. I had an extra special surprise for my dad. I took him to meet a Peruvian soccer legend. Bueno, mi nombre es Teófilo Cubillas. Peruvian player Teófilo Cubillas. He was part of the 70s dream team. Y tuve la felicidad de haber podido participar en tres Copas del Mundo. You know, the team that took Peru to three World Cups. And someone my dad admires when it comes to Peruvian soccer. Teófilo is still one of Peru's leading scorers. We met him at his hotel in Moscow. He was there with Telemundo Deportes as an analyst for the matches. Porque también había expresado, dije, ojalá que antes de yo tener que partir de este mundo pueda volver. Diofilo said that he hoped before he left this world he would be able to see the Peruvian national team play in a World Cup again. And he finally got that opportunity. As for my dad, 
He had the chance to tell one of the players how happy the team made him back when he was living in Peru in the 70s. He kept it cool, kind of. He asked for an autograph before we left. Yo este, te he visto jugar mucho tiempo en todos los mundiales. Me sentía, digamos, feliz. Y ahorita me siento más feliz todavía porque te he conocido personalmente. No, 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 al contrario. O sea... And now I feel even happier because I've met you personally, my dad tells Teofilo. No, on the contrary, says Teofilo. Watching them talk, I felt like I was living a little piece of the golden era in real time. Anyway, it's time for the games. Peru's first game against Denmark was taking place in a city called Saransk. The first game was crucial. If Peru beat Denmark, we could possibly advance the next round. And late in the first half, we had a clear chance of scoring our first World Cup goal in almost four decades. The referee called a penalty in Peru's favor. Cristian Cueva stepped up to the ball, kicked, and completely missed. The ball flew over the post and into the crowd. They ended up losing to Denmark 0-1. The next game was played in Ekaterinburg. Peru was facing France this time. My dad and I met up with Peru fans and walked and sang together as a unit to the stadium. France was going to be Peru's toughest opponent yet in this group stage. It was getting close to kickoff time. I asked my dad how he was feeling. ¿Cómo te sientes? Yo me siento, me siento, digamos, como si fuera... Yo me olvidé de mi edad ahorita. Estoy acá en el Mundial. He said it's like he's forgotten his age, that he's having fun, and that no one can take away the happiness he's feeling. Esa alegría no me va a quitar nadie. Being here, surrounded by Peru fans, makes my dad feel at home. At this point, my dad spent more than half of his life outside of Peru. He says he'll never forget Peru and that his blood is Peruvian. Trust me, it sounds poetic in Spanish. He says a part of him will always belong there. It's hard to explain, but it's always felt like a part of me has always belonged in Peru too, even though I wasn't born there. También siento este, este, este pasión y este orgullo, ¿no? Um, para un país que nunca he vivido. En, claro. Como un país que, que lo siento des, como de ustedes, ustedes. Mm -hmm. Ustedes me dan este orgullo. What I'm saying to my dad is that I also feel this passion and pride for a country I've never even lived in. I feel it because you and mom gave me that pride. My love for Peru is also my love for my parents. When the anthem started, I was ready to sing. I wanted this moment to be special. I looked to my right, and my dad was singing his heart out. The ref blew the whistle and the game began. 
The proven squad held their ground, but France was able to score a goal in the 34th minute. And Peru lost 1-0. And just like that, we were officially out of the World Cup. There was no way to advance to the next round. The next day, I took out my recorder and talked about how I felt. When the game ended, I I left the stadium, you know, and I held my dad's arm and I started crying. Tears were rolling down my cheeks, you know, and I told my dad, let's just go somewhere to watch the next game. And he, he looked at me and he was just like, you know, this is your first World Cup. So I understand that you're sad and that it hurts but you have so many more to live through. And he's right. Maybe I'll have another chance to see Peru play at a World Cup. Maybe not. Whether we win or lose, I know I can always go back to my own little Peru in my parents' home in LA to cry and cheer for a team that has unified my family for so many generations, regardless of where we live. Cuando despiertan mis ojos y veo que sigo viviendo contigo Perú. Our thanks to Janice Yamoka for that story. Perú did not advance past the group stage, but in the team's third and final World Cup game, they scored two goals against Australia and secured their first World Cup win since 1978. Janice, of course, watched that game from our office in Harlem, wearing her Peru jersey. Unida la costa, unida la costa, unida la sierra, unida la sierra, unida la selva contigo, Perú. Unido el trabajo, unido el trabajo, unido el deporte, unido el deporte, unidos el norte, el centro y el sur. This episode originally aired in July of 2018. It was reported by Janice Yamoka and edited by Marlon Bishop. The Latino USA team includes Miguel Macias, Sofia Palizacá, Luis Treyes, Antonia Cerejido, Alisa Escarce, and Alejandra Salazar, with help from Joanne De Luna and Raul Perez. Our engineers are Stephanie Lebeau and Julia Caruso. Additional engineering this week by Leah Shaw. Our director of programming and operations is Natalia Fidelholtz. Our digital editor is Amanda Alcantara. Our intern is Julia Rocha. Our theme music was composed by Zenia Rubinos. If you like the music you heard on this episode, Stop by LatinoUSA.org and check out our weekly Spotify playlist. I'm your host and executive producer, Maria Hinojosa. Join us again next time. And in the meantime, look for us on all of our social media. I'll see you there. Hasta la próxima. Ciao. Funding for Latino USA's coverage of a culture of health is made possible in part by a grant from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. Latino USA is made possible in part by... 
The Heising Simons Foundation. Unlocking knowledge, opportunity, and possibilities. More at hsfoundation.org. And the Wincote Foundation. Oh, Janice is in the office. Oh, they're talking about Peru. Oh, something's happening with Peru. Okay.